Good morning, everybody. It's wonderful to see you all. We're just busy trying to get ourselves organized here, so just um, yeah, have a little bit of patience with us. The Lord's patience. Yeah. yeah. But it's very, very great to be back with you, folk. Um, I have been traveling for a while, so it is very good to be here. And unfortunately, I wasn't here for much of Clayton's series he recently just did. And, um, but I do want to try and piggyback off that a little bit or come alongside of it because I heard um, it really helped a lot of people and blessed a lot of people. Is this all right? Is this not echoing or anything? It's okay? All right. And uh, just welcome to visitors with us. We thank you that you could come if you are visiting. We appreciate you coming. We really do. Thank you very much. God is good. This young lady here. Sorry, I have met you maybe a little bit, but I don't know much about you. And this morning as you walked past and you said hello, and I said hello, I turned to Dwayne and I said, who's that young lady? So I feel like the hand of the Lord is upon your life, young lady. I feel like there's a call upon you. Um, I feel like you've asked a number of questions but you haven't ever let go of the Lord. And I feel like you're going to come into some understanding of some of the questions you asked. So I just want to encourage you. I really want to encourage you for what he's doing in your life. So, During the worship, did anybody have pins and needles anywhere in their body? Why don't you stand, please? If you had pins and needles anywhere in your body, while we're worshiping. Ah, so lot. Chills, pins and needles, something of those. Yeah. That's okay, Steve. Steve gets chills when I play golf with him and beat him, so it's, it's okay. That's no, a bless you, Steve. <laughs> so, I just when I was worshiping, I had pins and needles go down my back. And I'm saying, Lord, what is going on? And I felt God said there's a number of other people that have pins and needles. So I just wanted to see. And Father, whatever you're doing, we want to bless. We want to bless some of the healing and changes you do. Sometimes you're last to be aware of it through the pins and needles. And Father, I just believe you're bringing healing to some parts of the body. In the name of Jesus. That which has been damaged, that which has been hurt. We come alongside and we say, we bless what you're doing, Lord. We want to cooperate with what you're doing. And we just acknowledge it by standing here this morning and say, Lord, have your way. Have your way. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Um, I went to North Carolina two weeks ago. Uh, Michelle couldn't make it, and it was a wonderful time. I did some ministry on the, the Friday night, and then the Saturday morning, Saturday night, and the Sunday morning, and a little bit Sunday afternoon, and then came home, and then Michelle and I left to go to Canada on the Wednesday. We drove up, and uh, it's a church we'd been to before. I just want to give some feedback, because a number of you pray for us and ask us, and, um, and because of COVID, we haven't been there for a while. So when we got there, because we'd probably been there about two, two and a half years ago, 
we just had people come to us and say, my, this happened and this happened. And there was a lady that had shingles when we were there. And we prayed for her and God just healed her of shingles, just healed her. There was another lady who they had been struggling to have a child. And when we got there, we found out she has a child and is already one and a half years old. So that was amazing to see as well. And then it's just, it's, uh, sometimes it blows my mind. And then Michelle did a preach. This Sunday night we were there. This was about three, four years ago. And a lady that couldn't be there on the weekend we were there gave this to the pastor's wife and said, this is for you. And it's a little card with a little big thank you and whatever the case is. And I'd like to read it to you. Dear Michelle, my heart was so full of joy when I heard that you were visiting Lifehouse. But unfortunately, it's happened during my vacation. I've been earnestly waiting for you to come back so I can share the testimony of what the Lord did through you last time you visited in 2018. I was a non-believer then, and a friend of mine who attends Lifehouse invited me to her church. She had been inviting me for a while, but my schedule never allowed me to visit. Until that day when the Lord made everything work together for me to be there. I walked in the evening service and you were preaching about the Father's love, focused on children who grow up without fathers. Sadly, that had been my pain my whole life. Since my earthly father never recognized me as his daughter, so I grew up fatherless. Through your message, I received healing for my broken heart. But above all, I encountered the love of my heavenly father. I could not stop sobbing the whole time you were sharing. When I got home that night, I asked for forgiveness for my sins, and I gave my heart to the Lord Jesus. He baptized me with the Holy Spirit that same night. Praise the Lord. He's given me grace to know his heart and serve him ever since, and I do it with gladness. I love evangelizing and sharing the good news. Just to stop there, the pastor's wife said, this lady, wherever she goes, she just shares Jesus. Wherever she goes, whatever opportunity. It's like a, an Ephesians 4 calling on a life and sharing the good news to those who have not heard about it, well, I did not, who do not know the great love that is available to us through Christ. I want to end by saying thank you, thank you, thank you for your obedience, for the work you do for our amazing Father. Thank you so much. I pray the lost continue to work the Lord continue to work through you and bless you with much hope and strength. May his grace abound in your life. Much love, Melanie. The reason why I share that is because sometimes we say or do something and we don't see any immediate effect, but God is at work. God is at work. He's always at work. Jesus said, my father's always at work. To this very day, he's at work. And what do you mean by work? It means he's stretching his hand out to those that don't know him. So they can encounter his love and his grace and his goodness and his forgiveness. He sent Jesus not to bring a law or a doctrine. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth 
so we could receive forgiveness. The Bible says it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. It's not the law. It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. And so the Father sent His Son to be with us so we could cultivate that relationship so He could live through us. And that basically is Christianity. As we go about our day, as we go about doing what the Lord's called us to do, whatever it may be, for some of you, I'm looking at a doctor. For some of you, it might be working in an office. For some of you, it might be with kids. For some of you, it might be with animals. Whatever it is, God is with you. And identity doesn't come from what we do. Identity comes from who we are in His eyes. A son and a daughter of the Most High. The great I am that we sang about. Amen. Anyway, I don't want to preach about that. So, if you've got a Bible, because I don't know what I've given and what I haven't, go with me. Actually, if you have a Bible, please take it. Take it and put it in your hand. Who's got a written Bible here? Praise the living Lord. Look at that. That's remarkable. That's amazing. It is. It's wonderful. Because normally I say, take your Bible. I see everybody get their phones out. And then they, I, they pretend they're reading the Bible, but they're watching the news and the sport. Now I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> go to Titus. Titus. The book of Titus. Keep your Bibles because we are going to go through a couple of scriptures. As I said, I just want to come alongside what Clayton preached talking about uh, a relationship and not a religious system. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 says this, For the grace of God that brings salvation, the grace of God that brings salvation, has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. It's the grace that teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself. Not only did the Father send His Son, but it says Jesus gave Himself. You know that. Six times it says He gave Himself. He willingly gave Himself for us to redeem us Small word with a lot of meaning. To redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Now in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul writes a similar thing. How we were held captive by the systems of the world and how we were dead, dead living but dead to God. We had no relationship with him. And how he came by his great love and mercy and redeemed us and rescued us and raised us up, Ephesians 2, and seated us with Christ in heavenly places. Because it is by grace through faith that you've been saved. And it's not of yourself. It's not a work of man. It's the grace of God. And, so, and then he says, and he's redeemed you or saved you for the good purposes, the good works that he has in store for you. He sent his son to be with us, to live through us. And those good works are kingdom works. Colossians chapter 1, 13, you don't have to turn there, says, He rescued us from the dominion of darkness. He rescued us. He rescued us from the dominion. And put us into the kingdom of His Son. That's what He did. 
Amen. So the good works in Ephesians and in Titus that I read is the kingdom work. It's the kingdom activity here on earth. God has not kept his desire secret. He wants the reality of heaven to invade this earth. That's what he wants. The reality of heaven to invade this earth, to transform it, to bring it under the headship of Jesus so that we are free to operate what's in heaven can operate here on earth. Joy, peace, wisdom, wholeness, health should be free to operate here on this planet in you and me, in me, in our homes, in our businesses, in our schools, to break into the area of pain, sickness, bondage, brokenness, and sin. That's the Father's delight. But the impact and the effectiveness of this is impossible without a number of things. And we've spoken on some in the past. It's impossible without the work and activity of the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus took three chapters to explain. It's impossible without the work and the activity of love. 1 Corinthians 13 is a whole chapter on love. It's impossible, absolutely impossible, without the activity of faith. Because everything comes by faith. Hebrews 11. It's the one word, but it's also impossible without the activity of the Word of God in your lives, in our lives. And that's what I want to touch on today. 1 Thessalonians 2.13. If you've got your Bibles, go to 1 Thessalonians. Well, you should have them on your lap. Praise the living Lord. All right. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says, And we also thank God continually, because when you receive the Word, that Word is Logos. That's this word, yeah. This word, bogus. Clayton spent a lot of time about When you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it or you received it, not as the word of men, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. Key scripture. So, what does the word of the Lord do within us when we believe? And there's a thing that will come up on the back, and we don't have time to go to all of them, so I'll just quickly go through them. It renews our minds. There's the scriptures there. It is the foundation for life. It teaches us. It corrects us. I can give you the notes because I see some of you writing, so Hallelujah. It's for correction and rebuking. Rebuking is not a negative word. It's to help. It's training in righteousness. It trains us in right living. It is a fire and a hammer. In other words, it can come and smash and put away stuff that we're struggling with. It's a sword of the Spirit. It probes the hearts and minds. And we're going to touch on that scripture, Hebrews 4.12. It shows us itself and moves us forward. It convicts us. It regenerates and matures us. Regenerate means just being born again. It brings forth faith. It gives hope. It washes us, sanctifies us, means set us apart. And it builds us up and gives us an inheritance. So when we believe the Word of God and receive it as the Word of the Lord, that's some of the work it will begin to do in our lives. 
So it's not you doing the work. It's the Word doing the work. Hallelujah. It's good news. It is. Because we try so hard as Christians. And yet the Father is saying, just get my Word in you. And my Word will do the work in you. That you're not able to do. My Word will do it. 1 Peter 2 verse 23 says this. For you have been born again, or born anew, not of perishable seed. The NIV says corruptible seed. But of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. So the Bible says we've been born again because we heard somebody speak to us about Jesus somewhere. The word came out of somebody's mouth or came through over whatever came through. And something took place. I remember it happened to me when I was 33 years old, but it took a two-year period to get me there. Maybe because I was just so stubborn, I don't know. But I remember I never had a desire for God for 31 years. None whatsoever. Wasn't interested. There were far better things to do. Play sport, play sport, play sport, play sport. (laughs) That was my life. Married two kids. Many of you know this. And then all of a sudden, something happened inside of me as a result of my wife going to a church down the road and coming home and speaking to me through my precious wife. And as she told me some stuff, and as we started to take that youth group, because that's what we did, although I hadn't been to the church, we started to take a youth group. But something started to there was a desire that started developing me to what's going on. So I actually thought if I go to university instead of theology, I'll get to know God. That's not how you get to know God. Nothing wrong with that, but that's not how you get to know God. He has to reveal himself. And so it was a two-year process. And then in May of 1986, at the age of 33, Jesus revealed himself to me. And I got born again. And everything changed. Everything changed. My outlook changed. My desires changed. My longings changed. Everything started. But there was still stuff that God had to do in my life and still is currently doing. Amen. And I remember I'd never read a Bible in my life for 33 years. Never been to church for 33 years. But when I got born again... I went and bought a Bible, and now I wanted to read it. Where did the desire come from? It wasn't from me. And so I started to read the Gospels about Jesus, and I read, and I read, and I read, and I reread them, and reread them, and I was fascinated by what I read. So a hunger started developing me to do what I saw Jesus doing. Hello? That's how... It but it came through the word. That's what I'm trying to say. So there's another chart that's going up there. And this other chart is, it's about the Holy Spirit, the soul, and the body. So if you're a child of God, you have a spirit that's alive inside of you. 
that that spirit has a soul around it, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions, and then you have a body, so you can express all that's happening inside you. You with me? So when you got born again, the Holy Spirit brought your spirit alive, and it's the, the spirit in you, the Holy Spirit in you, that is in union with your spirit, because now it's alive, it's of God, that's what connects to God, because God is spirit. Hello? The body, on the other side, these wonderful fingers and hands, and these eyes and this mouth and these legs connect to the physical world. But I've got a soul in between. And that helps me express. So when you got born again, you got a brand new spirit. You came alive, but you didn't get a new soul. Hello? This is very important. You didn't get a new mind. You still thought like you used to. Some of your emotions were still a little bent out of shape to whatever, because of hurt or pain or rejection or whatever the case is. Okay? So then what happens is the Holy Spirit comes and speaks to you, does something in you. And let me find my, let me put it this way. Let me rather read it. When we are born again, we have a brand new human spirit is united with the Holy Spirit who's available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 12 months in a year, every day, every year, every year, every day, every second. He's fully available in all his power. Hallelujah. Amen. However, the condition of your soul will determine the flow of the Holy Spirit in and through your life. It will. So you can be a Christian born again, but you're struggling with something. Anger. So everything's filtered through that anger. So how do we change that? And you'll see the word, will, and tongue. And you'll see those little nice little baggages there. Those nice little whatever you want to call them. Representing guilt or fear or unhealed emotions or undealt with trauma, whatever it can represent anything, and that unfortunately distorts what God wants to do through us because of the condition of my soul. Past experiences, learning good and bad, true and false, contribute towards forming self image, my value system, my belief system, which will in turn color the way I interpret things from God. So that needs to change, yes or no. Okay, that doesn't determine who you are. You're a child of God. Destiny is secure. But remember, God wants to live through us. So he's got to deal with some things that are in the way. And that Bible calls sanctification. It's a process. All right. I lived with my wife for 45 years. I've seen the process in her life. Now I'm teasing. Okay. <laughs> she sees the process in my life. But it doesn't change my identity even when the process is still going on. You have to understand that, people. It doesn't change who you are. And you're in a process of God lining things up with what he's doing in your spirit. And then the will makes a decision. I choose to follow the Lord. 
I choose. That's where the wall comes in. That's the link between your spirit and your soul. You made a decision to come to church today. You exercised your will. You didn't have to come. Unless your wife said, we're going to church. And I'm teasing. You didn't have to come. You exercised your will. It's wonderful. Thank you. And then the outward flow from what's happening inside of you through your body is your tongue. That's how powerful that is. That's why Jesus said, the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Hello? You with me? Okay, those are two key parts, very key parts within you. So, let me not lose my way. Let me find my notes. You can see I've got notes from here to everywhere else. Okay, so how do we change? How, do, how does what God wants to do in me, how does it change? How does it, how does, how does it happen? Well, a good, good news for you is through the Word of God. That's the good news I've got for you, and I've got to find my way here. Sorry, I've just got to find all my notes. I've got so many notes here, and where I'm going, and what I'm doing, and where I'm not going. But it's through the Word of God. That's how He begins to change you. The Word of God. It's okay, Dwayne. It's okay. Thank you very much. I'm not like Clayton, who's organized, and a teacher, and the computer, and whatever the case is. So the Bible says, if you go to 1 Peter, go to 1 Peter chapter 3. Can't find his notes, so we'll just go off the top of my head. 1 Peter chapter 3. No, no, it's not those. Thank you, Dwayne. He's trying to help me. I need it. Hallelujah. 1 Peter chapter, actually, 1 Peter chapter 1. It's a scripture I quoted before. Go to verse 23. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and enduring Word of God. For all men are like grass, and their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the Word of the Lord stands firm forever. And this is the Word that was preached to you. Therefore, now he's saying, now that you're born again, now that you know Him, therefore get rid, rid yourself of all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander like newborn babes, like newborn babes crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. What's the pure spiritual milk? This, the Logos Word. That's what feeds you. Just like physical food feeds my body, this feeds your spirit. This edifies your spirit. This builds your spirit up. This strengthens your spirit. This, that's what it does. And so if you go back to 1 Peter, right in the beginning, 1 Peter 1 now, if you go to verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Yet even though you do not see him, now you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That's that middle circle. You're receiving the salvation of your souls, the process of that undergoing a change so it can line up with the Spirit of God is within you. Thank you, thank you. 
that soul part where God is bringing healing. He's been doing work in you. He's beginning to shape you deep within your own personality so it can line up. So when, he connect, when the Holy Spirit speaks to your spirit, the passageway, the host pipe, because that's what we are, holy host pipes. We are, <laughs> we, are holy, we are holy host pipes. God comes in us and he wants to go through us. And he wants all the kinks out of the way. He wants all the blockages out of the way. So the water can flow freely to others. To bring love and grace. To bring healing and wholeness. Hello? But the beauty about it is while he's busy with the process, he still flows through us. That's the beauty of it. And the only thing that can change your soul is this. This, this has the power. Hebrews 4.12, the Word of God is alive and active. It's energetic, it's powerful. It's alive, it's active, it's full of power, it's full of energy. To cut in between soul and spirit gets right to the nitty gritty. Between bone and marrow, that's how deep it can go. Discerning the intentions of the heart. And it brings change. That's what it does. Go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Let's go to verse 19. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly, humbly, humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. The New King James says, save your soul. That word save is the same, same word, same Greek word as soul, which can save you. The Amplified says, receive and welcome the word which is implanted and rooted in your hearts. It contains the power to save your souls. That's what the Amplified says. So that word where it says, get rid of all moral fault, it just means, that simply means a delight in that which is impure. So change your attitude to it. That's what he's saying. And that word evil or uh, the New King James says wickedness is like naughty. It's like a child that's refusing to accept instruction from its parents. And it argues back. And he's saying, Paul, James is saying, those two things can block what the word wants to do in you. He's saying, therefore, come humbly, humbly and receive the word. Come with the right attitude. It's God's word. Don't turn there. Romans 12. That's what Paul says in Romans 12. Therefore, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, which is wholly acceptable, pleasing act of worship. Do not be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How does that happen? it's got power to do it. Romans 8 verse 13, you don't have to turn there. The Bible says, how do you put the misdeeds of the soul to death? By the Spirit of God. So the Spirit of God, as you read in this, 
makes this alive in you. It contains power to cut right deep within you and begin to adjust and set you free from and change stuff. But it needs time. It doesn't happen overnight. It needs time. Go with me to Philippians chapter 2. We've got four and a half minutes. That's going to be a miracle. Philippians chapter 2. I hope this is helpful. Thank you. Thank you, Dwayne. Thank you, Dwayne. <laughs> hey, you got problems. <laughs> we all have, right? We all have. <laughs> I've got problems. Philippians 2 verse 12. Therefore, my dear children or dear friends, as you have always obeyed, remember he's writing to Christians. You've got to remember that. Not only in my presence, but how much more in my absence. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who does what? Who works in you. Who works in you? God works in you. God works in you. God works in you to will and to act and do according to his good pleasure. So I wanted to understand that a little bit more, so I went and looked up. Work out, not work for your salvation. Work it out. The phrase that says, God who works in you, literally means this, to bring something about, to cause something to happen, to set in motion, to start, to give impetus. To will and to act means this, desire, pressing onto action, producing both desire and willingness. His good pleasure means to shape and effect right decisions and intentions. So it's God who starts a process to bring something about, to cause something to happen, to put a desire in me, to set me in motion, to change my desires so he can change the impact and the effect in my decisions and my intentions. How does he do it? Through the word. not Ken trying to work this out. So, a couple of things to land this. Remember, the way we approach this, our attitude is very key. Approach the word correctly, I encourage you. Not just willy-nilly. Is that a saying, yeah? It is, thank you, I never know one. Speaking of South Africanism, like when I first spoke about argy-bargy, nobody knew what I was talking about. It's, uh, it's actually argy-bargy. You know, you know what argy-bargy means? You don't. Argy-bargy, you know, who watches Formula One? Sorry. Mm. I can see some of you are not saved. You're not watching Formula One. <laughs> Formula One, a commentator, that's where I heard, I heard them commentating when these cars are going around the track and the one's bumping, and he said they're little argy-bargy, they're bumping into one another. That's what it means. It's like argy-bargy, bumping, get out of my way, sort of thing. That's what it's mean. You understand? <laughs> okay. All right, I don't know why we went down that rabbit hole, but anyway. <laughs> All right, so we need humbly to come before his law. Humbly. That's what James said, come humbly. It's the same word as the way we approach it. We want to receive it. We want to accept it. Then understand that the word comes in seed form. Very clear, very seed. But contained in that seed, you've heard me discuss it, is the power of heaven. 
Hello? It doesn't come from this earth. It doesn't have earth's touch on it. It doesn't have human hands on it. It's from your Father in heaven. It's got His DNA on it. That's what it's got. That's what's in that seed. And everything is contained in that seed to produce what it needs to produce. You take an acorn and you plant it in the ground. How big is an acorn? But look at the tree it grows to. Huge. But it's all in that seed. That's why you never despise small beginnings. It's a seed. So you need patience. You need time. You need time. Give it time. Jesus mentioned this. Don't have to turn to Luke chapter 8. We spoke about the parable of the sower. And you sowed the seed. You all know it. And some of the seed fell on hard ground. And the devil came and snatched it, he said. Some of the seed fell amongst rocks. Some of the seed fell amongst the thorns. It choked it. The worries of life. And but some of the seed fell in good soil, Jesus said. And this is what he said. They heard it, retained it, and by persevering, produced a crop. That's what he said. That word seed is the word. He said it's the word of God. That's what he's saying. And so when you get this, begin to learn to meditate on it. It's very key to meditate. And that's another one of my pages here that I... This is what it means to have biblical meditation. Before I got saved, we had other meditation. Sorry, I'm looking for a tissue. I beg your pardon. I feel like I'm a needy person. My wife's just shaking her head. Hmm, okay, so forgive me. What it means to meditate simply means to engage in thought or contemplation. It also means to reflect or ponder, to think about something, consider it, weigh it up. So you must take the seed, God's word, out of the bag, which is the Bible, plant it in the soil, which is your heart, through meditation. This is where so many believers miss it. They confuse reading or memorizing scripture with meditating. Reading and memorization are Good, but they don't plant the seed of the word in your heart the way meditation does. That's why it takes time. And biblical meditation, I've touched on this, I'm not going to go down this road, is to mutter, muse, and talk. To mutter, muse, and talk. Mutter, you mutter it under your breath, wherever you go. Just keep repeating what you've read. Mutter it. Thank you, Lord, by your stripes I'm healed. Matter it. We all matter. We just matter negative stuff, unfortunately. And muse means it's like a cow that chews it and chews it and chews it. And to talk means it's got to come out of your mouth. You speak it out. So that's what it requires, biblical meditation. So it's a seed. We need the attitude, a seed, time, and patience. And will produce. This logos then prepares the heart and the mind to receive rhema. And that is really what we want to come to. Rhema. Because that changes everything. 
that begins to work in you. It's rhema that comes out of you. So I'm going to use it, try and do this like Hollywood. No, I'm not. Okay. So I come in the morning. I put my Bible down. And through my ears, my ears, that's, that's, my, that's my eyes. <laughs> we'll get it. We'll get it. <laughs> that's my dyslexia. They just kicked in right there. <laughs> through my ears, <laughs> through my eyes, and through my mouth, I meditate on the Word. And while I'm meditating on the Word, I'm taking time for it so it goes in here, it goes through my body, and it begins to go into my soul. And as it hits there, the Holy Spirit that's within me begins to work on it. Journey, working, working, powerful, effective, cutting asunder, sorting things out, working, working, working. That's what it begins to do. And then, then the Holy Spirit takes that word and puts it in my heart. Now it's in me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now when it gets there, nothing moves it. That's the rhema. That's what the Bible says when it says this. Take the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit, that which is raiment to you, take that, that you will to fight with, because it's so real to you. Amen. The mouth speaks. That's what begins to happen. But unfortunately, some of us can do this, and I've done it myself. I come, and I sit, and I read, and I start to meditate, but I don't give it time. And I just say, oh, by stripes, we are healed. My mouth speaks, but it hasn't got the same impact. Because it hasn't taken time to get into my heart. So it just goes from there to there. It needs to go from there to there to there to there. Then it comes out your mouth. That's why Jesus said, the words I speak, Rhema, are life and spirit. Man does not live on Bread, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. Isaiah 55, don't turn there, it's not in my notes, it just came to me now. Isaiah 55. Sorry, we've gone six minutes over. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours. As my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from the heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it heals seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is the word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Hallelujah. Then my soul begins to undergo change. Paul Hammond said this, A rhema is an inspired word birthed within your own spirit. A whisper from the Holy Spirit like the still small voice that spoke to Elijah in the cave. It is a divinely inspired impression upon your soul. A flash of thought or a creative idea from God is conceived in your spirit but birthed in your natural understanding by divine illumination. 
a true rhema word carries with the deep, deep inner assurance and the witness of the Spirit, then you know like you know, like you know, like you know. Then it's done a work in you. I was saved, and sorry I'm repeating some of this, I'm trying to help. I saved a couple of months, and a guy that was very prophetic came to us and spoke to Michelle and I, and he came to me and he gave me about two pages of prophecy, and right in the middle of it, he said, and the Lord would say, I see your insecurity, and I will deal with it. So when I woke up the next morning, I was saying, okay, now it's done. Now, it took years. Yes. Now, we all have insecure moments, but I don't live from there any longer. But it started to go as I read this. Because this is sharper, more powerful than my insecurity. As I started to see who he said I was, that started to vanish. We need rhema, people. We need rhema. Rhema is alive and active. It really is. So I trust this has helped you. This word changes you. This word renews your mind. This word changes your intentions. This word changes your desires. This word changes you. I'll end with this last story. Have we got any pregnant ladies here? No pregnant ladies. Oh, there's one at the back. Oh, hallelujah. Bless you. Wonderful. I don't know that lady, so. Okay, maybe we should all go home early. No, I'm teasing. Um, <laughs> you know, when a lady falls pregnant, the best way I can illustrate it, forgive me for using this example and if you've heard it before. When a lady falls pregnant, a seed is planted inside of her. And that seed came through an intimate act. And that seed begins to change her. Her body changes. Her desires change. She changes. She didn't change herself. The seed in her changed her. That's what happens when you put the seed of God in you. It changes you. It changes you. It redeems you further and further. You become a holy host pipe. <laughs> holy just means set apart. That's all it literally means. You're more attuned to you in the whisper in your spirit. Because it's coming to your spirit. In order for it to come out of you, it's got to go through your soul and out of your body somehow. And when we allow the word to do the work in our soul, it realigns our soul to get in line with our spirit. And then it flows out freshly. The word of God does that. You can't do it to yourself. You can try but it's only the Word of God. Because I say it again, the Word of God is not from heaven, it's not from earth. It's from heaven. But heaven's, heaven's DNA on it. 
Father, we thank you for your word. Teach us how to put it in us. Teach us how to receive it. Teach us how to read it. Teach us how to meditate on it. Teach us. Teach us. Jesus, you said, if I abide in you and you abide in me, and my word abides in you, ask whatever you will, and it will be given to you. Let your word abide in us, Lord. Doing the wonderful creative work that only your word can do, that I'm not able to do, but you are. Thank heavens for that. Thank you. Thank you.